Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters podcast. This is episode 137. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to discuss lessons learned from a recent handgun training event where we shot uh, law enforcement qualification courses. Yeah, guys, we uh, w- in the past, we've, we've done some different qual courses just to kind of see where you fit into the middle of things. Um, and, and in general, when we shoot most law enforcement qualifications, um, most of the guys in our group are, are way above the grade um, toward the top end of the spectrum of possibilities on those qual courses and scores and stuff like that. Um, the, the, one of the reasons that we do these qual courses is not to say, um, hey, we're better than somebody else, or hey, look what I did, or hey, blah, 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 blah. Um, the, the reality check is it's, it's not an ego check so much. It's just understanding where you're at. I think you want to take stock of your skill sets, and there's no way to do that other than to shoot courses and gain metrics that's the same reason police agencies do this is to establish baselines for training um, and as well culpability or responsibility or, or proof of trainability, etc. Um, we do it because we want to understand where we fit in the world and find out, you know, hey, there's things we need to work on or things we don't. Um, when we do law enforcement qual courses, again, we generally come in the high end of the spectrum, most of the guys that we're shooting with, uh, ourselves included. But then when we go shoot something like one of the, some of the military qual courses, like the stuff that, that Matt, is it Pranka, is yeah. bringing from, from X-Ray Alpha and some other places that are some of these like super high end SF qual courses that involve um, significantly shorter time standards, um, uh, involve movement, involve the ability to cover space, um, distance, and then the ability to get in and out of positions incredibly rapidly. And have very tight accuracy standards. And have, yeah, and have very tight accuracy standards. You know, you go from shooting a, a qual course, a law enforcement qual course, and feel like, okay, this is pretty cool. I feel like I'm in a good place to go and try and shoot a course like that. And it's, it can be incredibly humbling. Um, you know, some of the younger guys in our group, like you, um, move well enough on your feet and, and, and get in positions quickly and stuff like that, that some of those some of those qual courses for you, even at like the X-ray alpha stuff or at the very high level at special forces type quals, you're right there. You know, maybe not every single time, but you're right there. Um, you know, whereas like I'm, I'm off time-wise by forever. And, and so that, that part's humbling, but all these qual courses beyond the ability to give you a little bit of confidence that, Hey, my training's working. Hey, I'm learning stuff. It, it does. It also gives you things to work on because you find where the flaws are. That's the whole idea with it is to say, these are the skill sets we want you to have mastered and, and have control over. And if you're finding part of that qual course is eating your lunch consistently, that's probably something you want to really work on. Um, for, for the sake of, of not making things confusing, um, there are two qualification courses here for Columbus um, for, for Columbus Police specifically. Columbus Police is forced to utilize what's referred to as the OPATA qualification course. It's a 25-round course of fire, super, super simple, um, very easy to pass. Um, you know, not to be failed. Not, yeah, um, you know, very, very generous time constraints, very generous target. Um, and, then, and then there's another qual that's used internally within the, within the division um, for different groups that, that have a higher standard required. Um, and that's, a, that's something that we'll refer to as the old Columbus Police qualification, handgun qualification. Um, the old CPD qualification course was a 300-point course um, that, that's actually a little more stringent. It's, yeah, it's a little more work. Rounds. 60 rounds, a um, little tighter target standards um, where you've got to be able to hit. There are actually zones on the target versus, hey, just hit this gigantic piece of paper repeatedly and you're good to go. Um, so we ran the CPD 300-point qual course uh, a couple months ago. Um, as a kind of a baseline to kind of see where we, where we were, we ran, and then we ran some 
some drills in between over different training nights and stuff like that. And I don't know that it was necessarily focused on breaking down any one part of what we'd done. It was just going through and working fundamentals, working the basics. And then we went back through Monday night and we ran the qual course, CPD's 300-point qual course again, not the Opata one, uh, but CPD's. And, and it was interesting because we had a significant increase in scores, obviously, with practice because we've been focusing a lot on rifle, long gun stuff more over the last few months. Um, and so here we were. So we're going to kind of, you know, talk about those things and then talk about another course of fire that we did, too, that's a modification of some of these. But again, going back to the idea that we're not going and doing these qual courses because we think we're a cop or we think I could be a SWAT guy for Columbus because there's actually physical fitness involved. There's actually tons of experience needed um, to be able to make those types of decisions on the snap. Um, there's tons of just the experience level of the guys that do that kind of stuff. That's not what we're trying to say we're at. We're trying to just say that if you pick this one skill and isolate it, that's something that we can work on and do better at. But it's pretty confidence inspiring as well to say, Hey, I know that I can do this at a, at a good level. Yeah. One of the nice things, especially with the 300 point um, CPD qual is it does make you do a variety of different skills. Yep. Um, both from a time perspective, both from a distance perspective. Yeah. Um, there's some one-handed shooting, some one-handed weekend shooting. Um, you got to do some stuff from behind cover, which messes with your vision a little bit. Yep. Um, do some stuff from a knee. Uh, so it makes you work on a variety of skills as opposed to just standing in front of the target in the open kind of blasting away. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it also makes you take that big sidestep because everybody knows if you stand in one place at certain depth, if you take one step to the left or to the right, that's complete safety. <laughs> Sorry. Smart ass, smart ass comment there. Um, that's a, that's kind of an inside joke. So um, anyway, so yeah, so we, you know, I, we, we saw some significant improvements the second time running that course in less than two months. Um, with just a couple nights of doing some basic handgun drills. Um, and, and guys, the, the target, the scoring on this target is pretty generous. The target itself probably leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, when a, a lot of these, a lot of these scoring targets, it's almost like they, that some of these larger agencies can't get away from the old military scoring targets that were like shoot center of mass. Um, from the 1910s. Yeah, well, and, and from and from a perspective, too, of wanting to put meat on a silhouette out through five or yeah. 600 meters and understanding that, you know, if you zero a an AR-15 or an M16A2 um, to the military standards from 1990, um, holding center of mass generally will keep you on the target out through 300 to 350 meters, and you don't have to worry about holdovers until you get four, five, six hundred meters. And then at that point, only the Marine Corps worries about that um, and dialing up elevation on an A2 site system. So there's a reality check that I, I get that for the military. And but the issue is, is a lot of this carries over from military to law enforcement and you, shooting somebody's center of mass is going to is probably going to redirect their behavior. But if they're psychotic, if they're drugged up, if they're enraged, if they're, um, you know, whatever the case may be, shoot, you're basically shooting somebody in the guts. And that's going to give them a lot of time to fight back versus shooting someone in the upper thoracic cavity. That kind of nipple to nipple to hyoid kind of conversation is really going to get things done a lot quicker hydraulically and give you a lot higher possibility of having a CNS hit or central nervous system hit that electric, electrically shuts things down well, too. Um, you know, if you hit that spine, there's a lot of things that stop yeah. working really quick. So, you know, with a pistol, maybe not, because maybe it does the work, maybe it doesn't do the work. But the idea being give yourself the best chance by making the right hit. And this target places, it does move the center zone scoring zone of the target to the top half of the target. 
um, but it still doesn't move it into that like base, like top of the shoulders, base of the neck kind of conversation. Um, and that's something that, you know, a lot of us as, as within our group, that's where we shoot for. We shoot for that. And, and even like on an IPSC target, a high A zone hit going into the C high is still a really good place to hit somebody from a, uh, from a, a, a where body parts lie kind of thing. There's a ton of vasculature coming out of the neck into the top of the chest cavity. And so it's interesting that some of these targets are still a little bit dated in that regard. And I'm not sure why. Yeah. And like for our group, a lot of times when we're shooting IPSC targets, we actually cut the A zone in half. Yeah. Shoot the top and half of the A zone. We'll say, you know, only the top half of the A zone counts as a hit. Um, we're working on more accuracy type stuff. Yeah. Um, with the CPD uh, target, I really don't like this target. A uh, couple of reasons. One, it's just a, a giant black blob. Mm-hmm. Uh, to listen to guys like Wansit Kim, uh, Ben Stoger, you know, their focus is pick out like the perforations of the A on an IPSC target mm-hmm. uh, and put your you know use that as your aiming reference. Yeah. Uh, there are no aiming references on the CPD target. Yeah. Which, when you're at 25 yards, makes it really easy to get lost in a big thing of black. Yeah. Uh, and we're just shooting. So with the CBD call, the first string is effectively 18 rounds at 25 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, getting lost out there can significantly hamper your score. Uh, the other big thing, as Chris was mentioning, that that five point zone um, gives you it's a full fist's worth of distance between the top of the target, like the top of the chest and where that zone stops. Yeah. Um, so if you're, you're conditioned to shoot, you know, high center thoracic, um, you, you really put yourself easily into penalty points uh, or missed or down points yeah. by shooting where you're, where you should on a person. Absolutely. And, and so I absolutely agree on the zones on the target where they're located. I, I think, you know, again, I'd like to see that I, on almost every target ever made, I'd like to see that a zone, or that down zero zone further up toward the top of the target to make it more effective. I will depart and disagree on being able to see the lines on the target. In general, with the bad guy, there's probably going to be something you can look at on their shirt, whether it's a Nike logo, whether it's a button on a button-down shirt, um, whether it's a grease stain from lunch from that day where the dude was just a slob. Who knows? What Mustard. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. There's going to be some manner of aiming point, but I would also argue that Maybe in a low light situation, there may not be. There may not be that that aiming point where you can focus in on something. So being able to understand where the shots need to go, but it kind of screws you from a perspective of if you're aiming high center thoracic, you got to be able to find it without any reference on that particular target. Um, it was brought to our attention that there are that that same target is available with darker or lighter lines that make it more visible that make the zones more visible i'm not sure which zones instead of being black or like more of a dark gray yeah and the lines on the target are more visible um i I don't have a problem with that with having a a, a, an a monotonous blob of color and you got to understand where to put shots without any guidance without anything without putting a bullseye on it per se because bad guys don't walk around bullseyes on them so i i would i'll depart from that and disagree that i don't have a problem with that um, or go to photorealistic targets with an actual yeah. realistic zone on them, and and then you run into other issues um, that like your HR department has to deal with and stuff like that. And I'm not getting into that bullshit because that's highly annoying. Yeah. So this were one of the things I really like about the VTAC target with the skeleton on it mm-hmm. is it does give you yep. good visual reference points for aiming. Yeah. Uh, and if yep. like when with the CPD target we get to 15 yards, we get to 10 yards. 
it's not so much an issue. No. Um, but at 25, you know, if your site, if your sights start to drift yeah. one way or the other, uh -huh. um, when you're shooting that strain of fire, um, it can get very expensive from a points perspective pretty quickly. Yeah. And, and again, I'll, I'll go back to learn how to put them where they're supposed to go with no reference on the body, you know, so that's a, then that's a different skill set. And again, also one of those things too, where uh, there's a part of me in, as a civilian in the real world that says, if there's not enough light to positively identify exactly which button you want to hit on a target, maybe there's not enough light for you to be shooting. And it depends on the circumstances. Obviously we can war game this to, to yeah. the end of the world and back, um, you know, that maybe if it's dark enough that you can't see that well, that that's an opportunity for you to leave. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can't, I don't know. But trying to get that realistic aspect in there of being able to put the shot where you need to put the shot without having somebody with a great big arrow pointing at it going, put your bullet here kind of thing um, is can be realistic in certain scenarios. So absolutely. Um, we uh, Anything to add specifically? Because, I mean, we're beating on the target, but, you know, the reality is it's a game. Shoot the game because you're shooting it on a quad. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's funny because one of our guys that works here has a lot of experience shooting that particular target. and Well, a different target, but that particular qualification. And, and, he, and he joking, not jokingly, says that it's not a 60-shot course of fire. It's 61-shot courses of fire. Put each bullet where it needs to go and go on. Um, and the other thing with the qual course, too, is that you have all the time in the world to make sure you put each shot where you want it. Um, and so, you know, that that's also possibly less than realistic but that's just yeah. the way it is so play the game play the game so um anything else to add to that the to that sucks. well <laughs> the target sucks other than that any i mean the the, the course is, is a fairly simple course 20 the 25 yard part is a little bit challenging but the target zone's generous yeah. um yeah i think you have so to shoot yeah i think you have to shoot a 210 out of 300 or 215 out of 300 um it, back in the day you've got to shoot 255 to even try out for SWAT or for ordinance or whatever, and then, or training cadre even, I, I don't know, maybe, um, and then go, and, but it's then it's 285 generally to stay in any of the specialty divisions at that point. Um, and, and so, yeah, the, and 285 is, is legit. 285 is a real score. Um, I think most of us were shooting in the 280s, 290s. Um, yeah. I don't know if we had anybody very far out of the, maybe, you know, I think, no, I think we our were, worst score was that it was a high 250 or low 260 was the worst score. Yeah. Our average improved dramatically across yeah. the group. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, if the, the average across the group probably went up by 15 points. Yeah. Um, I know I went from like a 283 or something like that to like a 295, six, four, five, six, something in that range. Um, because I was using a different target, and when we adapted that that scoring zone, yeah. um, all of a sudden it's like, oh, cool! I shot it on a USPSA um, and shot with using their zone, with using the USPSA zone, still shot in the still shot a two eighty something. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Because you had reference points at twenty five yards. I can't see them. You still had reference. I, yeah. Points well, but if yards. you can't see them, you can't see them. I mean, so you know, I'm just and but I'm also holding the high center. Yeah. And it just so happens that the high center on a USPSA target is the A's higher than the center zone on that target. So yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, it, well, the target's made a little better than the other target, for sure. So, um, but yeah, so like I said, the point being, you know, you know, it, it's just a baseline. It's just something to go shoot, kind of see where you fit in for me mentally. And then also it gives me some things to work on. Um, I, I dump some shots at some places I shouldn't have dumped some shots. And it's a big target to dump shots off of. So... I need to get better, basically, at trigger control at distance. So, um, well, which would mean trigger control anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, one of the things, when we, we shot that night, it was 
it had been 90 degrees and very humid throughout the day. Yep. It was probably over 85 and still very humid. Yep. Uh, I was shooting a 365XL with a 507K, mm-hmm. and that gun moves, I've got big hands, that gun moves around. Sure. Uh, when you shoot really extended courses of fire, uh, especially when your hands are slippery. Yep. Uh, one of our local LE guys that joined us that night, um, he was using Petzl's liquid chalk, their liquid climbing chalk, uh, and you know, kind of mitigate some of that, that sweat issue. Uh, he actually talks about, you know, using that just a little bit, you know, before shift. Yeah. Uh, so something to keep in mind if you're shooting matches or you got to be out on the street. Um, maybe not, you know, as a civilian, I'm not necessarily wanting to walk around with chalk on my hands all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any more than I, I already do from being at the climbing wall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, doing that, um, doing some, you know, stippling or skateboard tape on your grip. Or both. Uh, or both, you know, yeah. we get... Again, sweaty, bloody, muddy, uh, stuff like that starts to matter. Yep. Uh, especially when you've got longer strings of fire at distance where guns slipping around in your hands really becomes a problem. Absolutely. And, guys, the other thing, too, using chalk on the range to train with is, you know, you, you say, oh, that's cheating. That's blah, 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 blah. You're not getting a realistic experience. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. I don't care. That's fine. If you want to look at it like that, look at it like that. I'm cool with that. I have no problem with that at all. Um, the reality check is... If, if that's something I'm chasing, you, you're not going to be able to outrun sweaty hands. Um, and the reality check is if you are involved in a gunfight, that that response, that panic response to your hand sweating takes a few seconds to, to kick in. And for the actual sweat, if you do have that physiological reaction with adrenaline dump, it takes a few seconds and your gunfight may be over before your hands start to sweat kind of thing. Um, so, you know, is it realistic? Is it not? I don't care if that's fine. If you don't want to use it, don't, don't use it. But I would tell you the other thing, if you do use chalk and training on a consistent basis, your gun ends up with chalk on it. Um, when you grab your gun, it's tacky. When you grab your gun, if your hands are sweaty, it absorbs some of that and makes it better. Um, but the flip side of that is it gets on your clothes and it gets on other stuff. And if that's a tell or that gives you away because you're chalking up your clothes, back off a little bit. You know, if you're the guy who deadlifting in the gym, leaves piles of chalk on the floor, check yourself when you go to use it on your gun so you're not letting everybody in the world know that either you are just rubbing up against a block on a climbing wall that might be weird um or you know it's chalk so either way so um anything else to add to that uh i think the other thing is you know if you're if you've got to shoot qualification courses for work or for fun uh getting familiar with them makes a big difference give yourself every advantage you know, go out and shoot it, you know, once a week in the time leading up to when you got to do it for real. Use chalk. Um, use chalk. Yeah. Um, yeah, the big thing is being confident going in. Yeah. Makes a really big difference. Well, we're back to the pros practice until they can't get it wrong and amateur practices until they get it right once, you know, or yeah. a couple of times. So, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. If you, you know, if you, if professionally um, you're going into a PT test or you're going into a qual or you're going into whatever, what you know, a, a knowledge-based test, you should you should have stuff dead to right. You should have it dead to right. You should just know it. And this is an example. It's a foul shot. Yep. You know exactly where you're shooting from. You know exactly where, you know, it's the same every time. So, absolutely. Um, good. Yeah. So, then the other thing we did is we shot the Apata rifle qualification course, patrol rifle qual with handguns. Yes. Uh, so, this is a 20-point course. Uh, basically, you need to put 16 out of 20 rounds on a great big sheet of paper. Uh, we changed it up a little bit because we shot this on full-size B8 targets for score. Um, there's a few headshots, so those were either 
five points or they were no point. Yeah. Ten, was it ten points? Uh, what, whatever the scoring what, was, yeah, they, was they, they were pass points. fail on the headshots. Yeah, the headshots were either ten points or zero points. And then the full-size Ips, or full-size B8 target gives you scoring out to, what is it, six ring, five ring? Um, yeah, it goes out to the edge of a six ring, and that's about 15 inches across, 16 inches across. Yeah. The, so then anything, yeah. anything outside the six was zero points. Yeah. Yeah, that was considered off the target. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and so guys, the 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 qual is pretty simple because it's a carbine qual, patrol rifle carbine qual for officers in the state of Ohio. It's not a three hundred meter go shoot the KD range at five hundred meters or five hundred yards. Pardon me if it's a KD there's range. There's no pop up. Yeah, items. there's no pop up Ivans or anything like that. It's all relatively close. You got to about fifty yards. Um, you know, the the course of fire, you like literally fifteen feet, uh, three shots. You got four seconds. Um, most of this for the rifle is indexed at the low ready. Um, so as a kind of a reality check for us, we probably should have run this from the low ready as well with handguns, but well, we, we chose, but we had all the time, time in the world. world. So we chose to run it, you know, um, we chose to run it basically from the holster with the exception of one stage, which has pretty, pretty serious time constraints. Um, so 15 feet, three rounds, four seconds, 20 feet, three rounds, five seconds, 30 feet, three rounds, six seconds, uh, that kind of stuff. But we're shooting for the black on those targets, and the black on those targets is five inches, four, yeah, about four, four and a half to five inches, somewhere in that range. Most of the guys for those strings, um, yeah. everything was in the black. Absolutely, if not in the X ring. Yeah, um, I don't. They they do this non-dominant low threat cover index. Blah blah blah. I don't know what that means, uh, but I think that was like the left hand version, or where you where we transition from hand to hand. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, one of the stages you, you've got you've got two shots, fifty uh, five seconds, fifty feet. But it, but you you draw the we we did it as drawing the gun from the holster and then switching hands to left hand, and, or weak hand, other weak hand, other strong wrong hand, hand, other do, whatever call yeah. what yeah. Anyway, the the wrong hand. Um, this whoever you are. a lot of people up because they've never done it before. Yeah, because you can um, do it with two hands. Yeah. Yeah. It, it becomes somewhat with a pistol. This becomes somewhat of a party trick. Yes. Uh, yeah, we had a conversation around that. Um, there are there are some folks within the within the law enforcement and tactical community, uh, within the shooting community, within the training community, who espouse the idea: if you're shooting left-handed around, if you're shooting around cover to your left-hand side, you should use your left hand. If you're shooting around cover to your right-hand side, um, you should use your right hand. And there's basically no such thing as a weak hand or a dominant hand. You should be able to do both. Um, there, there's a conversation around eye dominance. There's a conversation around how much of your carcass you're exposing doing this and different things of that nature. There's a huge conversation in my mind around confidence and capability. Um, it's just not, we don't hear a lot of people saying we can two hand is a thing anymore. Um, and that's not to like say somebody who says that's a good idea, doesn't know what they're talking about. It's just, I, I'm going to respectfully disagree that and say that unless you have a metric ton of training and competency weekend, I would say stick with your strong hand and do whatever work you got to do. Um, if you're going to weekend, yeah, if you're going to weekend, you're probably going to weekend only. Um, but it's, it's an interesting thing. What, you know, well, what, well, one of our guys said, well, now you can say you've done it once, just shut up and do it. And then you can say you've done it once and you know how to do it. Uh, it, it was awkward so, for a lot of guys. It's a tool in the toolbox. Yeah. You should probably go back to Harbor Freight. Back to Harbor Freight, the comment of the night. Um, absolutely. Yep, should go back to Harbor Freight because it's probably a piece of crap. Um, so the reality check around that was that I, I'm, I'm old enough to have trained shooting two-hand, left-hand, because that was a thing back in the day. 
and I got away from it very quickly. I can do it. I smoked those shots. I those were those were in yeah. the black for me. Um, I actually have better trigger control and probably fewer bad habits with my left hand than I do with my right hand. Um, but either way, um, the next stage, and yeah, that, so that stage, fifty feet, two rounds, five seconds, and you're drawing strong hand, switching to weak hand, two hand, and making those shots, or weak hand, one hand, whatever, however you want to do it. Um, the next stage was uh, 75 feet, one round, one and a half seconds. This is the one that we didn't do from the draw. Um, I'm not Scott Jedlinski or one of his black belt ninjas who can draw and make that hit at 25 yards um, on a ridiculously small target because yeah, those the, guys aren't human. Pistol, this one was spicy. Yep. And I feel like we actually did this one at, like, back at 50, at 50 yards. Um, instead of 75 feet, I, I'm pretty sure we did it at 75 feet. I'm pretty sure it was at 25 okay. yards. Um, I, I, and the only reason I know that is because I absolutely mashed the trigger. Um, the shot was scorable, but it was like a five ring shot. Um, okay. it was one of the, one of my like almost dropped shots that as I was breaking the shot, I'm like, wow, you screwed that up. Um, but pretty easy. Um, also at 75 feet, Five rounds, twelve seconds. Um, you with know, the, with the reload, so yeah. you shot two rounds and then reloaded the gun. Yep. Went to a knee and then shot the other three rounds. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, a, a little bit spicy coming out of the holster, um, but but nowhere near undoable. I think we might have had one guy over time on that, but I think everybody was was used the time efficiently and effectively. Um, but again, not a big deal. Um, and then going to three rounds, 10 seconds at, a, at 50 meters or 150 feet um, and, and shooting on that target again. I, I, I don't know that anybody dropped off the target. I don't know if anybody was unscorable. I, I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I don't know because I didn't look at the targets that closely. Um, I know that that's where, <laughs> that's where for me I was on the paper, but it was like, oh, wow, yeah, there's a few that got ugly. Um, you know, but in general, I can't remember what the scores were. Do you know what your score was? Yeah, I shot a 182. Okay. I'm thinking that I was uh, like in the 160s. I think most people were north of 130. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. We had a couple guys in 130, 140 range, but I think I know, I know like, I, I want to say that I would say the average for the group was probably 160, um, once in the 160s yeah. somewhere. I think I was like at 166 or something like that, and uh, including the headshots and all that fun stuff. So. Um, doing so that just kind of, again, gives you an idea of stretching things out a little bit. Um, I don't think this is a party trick. I think it's a good skill to have, to be able to say, Hey, um, guys will talk about, you know, 15, 16 inch target at 150 feet or at 50 yards and say, well, is that a reasonable target? We've always adhered to the idea that you should be able to hit a one inch dot at 10 feet, a two inch dot at 20 feet. Um, you know, a 10 inch dot at hundred feet, this is a roughly a 15 inch scoring zone, 16 inch scoring zone at 50 yards or 150 feet. Um, it, the angular standards don't change. You might get chewed on a little bit if you're running crap ammo. That's where ammo is going to start yeah. to matter. If you don't have well loaded projectiles with good concentricity, it's going to create some issues. So, um, but otherwise I think, you know, we're doing pretty good there. So I, I, I think this was a fun thing to do yeah. just to kind of point out some things that maybe you want to work on. And not yeah. shooting left hand, two hand, or weak hand, two hand is, again, what was yeah. it? We're taking that back to Harbor Freight. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is another one of those courses of fire, and where distances, we're having the red dot on the handgun definitely makes oh, a yeah. difference. Missing my dot. Um, yeah. So yeah. Proving that handguns on dot, dots on handguns, are a a real thing. They're here yep. to stay. Yeah. Uh, if you got any kind of vision issues at all. Where you can't see your front sight clearly, um, a dot should be yep um, high on your things to do. Yeah, I mean this just that, that reinforced 
again, the idea that I, I've made the switch from Gen 3 and Gen 4 guns to all Gen 5 guns, and I don't have a dot on any of them yet. Um, I need to give Zach and Vinny a call and square that stuff away, like, right now. Even if it's only one gun, um, to get back to that, because I'd be really curious to see these scores with a dot. Yeah. Yep. So... Guys, um, get out and do this stuff. Get out and find these qual courses or public information. They're not hard to find. Um, we Googled the Opata rifle qual course. Um, you just, Googled it. Yeah, I Googled it. If I can find it, seconds. anybody can find it. So, yeah. So, chase that stuff down. Um, you know, get out and test yourself. Get out and get some metrics, get some baselines. This is no different than working out any other workout where you want to have a book and keep track of what you're doing. And, and understand where it's taking you and where you need to go from here because this gives you some things to work on shooting some of these quals. So um, anything else to add? Yeah, go do it. Um, do your dry fire and then use yes. these kind of activities yes. as validation for your dry fire training. Yes. Um, that's another way to look at qualification courses like this. Yep. Um, everything you're doing to, in these quals, um, you can do dry. Um, just use reduced size scale targets. Yep. Um, yeah. And everything you do in these quals, too, you can break down as individual components and practice the individual components, and then you're putting them all together on the qual and validating it. Yeah. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So good stuff. Yeah. Um, on that note, as we come across interesting things like this, along with new inventory in the store, we post it on our social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, search for Cap City Outfitters, and you will find us there. On our website, you can find valuable information, such as how to do an FFL transfer or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. Uh, also on our website, you can sign up for the weekly newsletter that comes out on Fridays, uh, or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we'll add you to the newsletter list. And then lastly, we look forward to seeing you in the store. Uh, we're at Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're directly in front of the Aldi's. Uh, we're right next to Louis Fusion Drill. And we're here Tuesday through Saturday, 10 to 5, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, guys.